Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Shapworst. Uh, with me is Vinny Tadaro. And uh, fortunately, this is our uh, first podcast of the offseason for the Dallas Cowboys as they lose to the San Francisco 49ers 23-17. Um, and a lot, lot to talk about Um of that game and and of the impeding uh, off season and what we think of the team's future moving forward, but uh, we'll go back to our uh, our normal uh, setup with a trivia question this week. It's my turn to ask the question. Uh, oh, and I just thought of a, I just thought of a great one. Yeah, too, that's okay. right. I got. I'll save it. For, save it for next week. Yeah. Um, okay, I got one that's going to drive you nuts if you don't get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so this guy is a offensive tackle. Yeah. Uh, he went to. He was born in Blysville, Arkansas, and went to school in Mississippi. Uh, like I said offensive tackle, probably most known for the for his time with the Dallas Cowboys, but he was undrafted uh, originally. Mark Tuanay. Nope. Um, he, let's see. Uh, he played for, he had two stints with the New Orleans Saints and one with the Miami Dolphins before he ended up with the Cowboys. <laughs> Got me. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, this will be the last guess. I think this will give right. it away. Um, he ended his career signing a pretty decent-sized contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, Jer- Jeremy Purnell. Yep. Yeah. Knew that right. one to give it away. Um. So yeah, I, th- I figure, figure an offensive lineman was uh, a position group to talk about because the Cowboys. It, it was interesting. They gave up a lot of sacks. I mean, the bottom line. I, I was thinking about this. Like, if you told me going into this game that the Forty ers like they didn't they didn't get a ton of rushing yards. Like I was, you know, talking all week if if the Niners ran for like 300 yards they're gonna beat us but they they didn't they didn't even come close i'm trying to figure out what the final number was they got enough they they got enough but uh, you know it it was within range for us to to win the the biggest thing is like yes if you told me we we held them to whatever it was 130 40 yards um I would have felt good, but then if you said, but Dak Prescott played like, you know, Jekyll Dak Prescott, whatever the bad Dak Prescott version is, that was the Dak you got, then then I'd be like, okay, well, then we're going to lose. because um, Well, I mean, the 49ers only got, I mean, they got 23 points, which is not right. bad, considering, the, right. you know, the talent that's on that offense. Right. They've, they've, you know, they've got some players there. Even if the quarterback isn't the best, right? He's good enough. 
I mean, yeah, the, the bottom line is it was the, however you want to slice it, it was the offense that let us down the most. Yeah. The, the defense yeah. wasn't phenomenal, but, but again, especially when you look at last year, you know, 23 points is a, is a huge achievement. And, and the big thing that I go back to is we played a chunk, a big chunk of that game. Okay. So they, they ran for a little more than I thought. It was like, 169 all so right well that's 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 a lot. that's a lot yeah um still not you know 200 300 but but oh, that a was decent amount. nightmare right right but but no the, the the offense let us down bottom line and we failed to do anything with their best by far their best player out for more than half the game and probably their third or fourth best player uh, on defense in Fred Warner out for a, a significant amount of time also. So it was, we were getting whooped by, you know, guys like, uh, you know, by, by backup defensive ends. Like well, they, they just, I, I don't know. What, what are, uh, what are your overall thoughts of the, the performance, Vinny? I would, Put the brakes on, assuming that Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn are going to get head coaching offers. They're going to get interviews. There's no yeah. doubt that they're sure. both going to get interviews. But as far as offers, I'm not convinced of that. And because when teams hire coordinators, they like to get guys who are winners. Yeah. You know, who've won something substantial. They haven't. They yeah. haven't won anything substantial. And you could say both of them choked yesterday. Both of them were out coached yesterday. Yeah. So why do you want in a look if you look if you want to poach a coordinator, poach one from a Super Bowl winner or a Super Bowl t- a, a team or at least a team that made it to the championship game? Right. Uh, because those guys have proven that they have what it takes to do what's most importantly, which is win. Yep. And so. I'm not convinced, like, like, as I said, I'm not convinced those guys are going to have the opportunity to go anywhere. I'm intrigued by the rumors about McCarthy being fired. I don't believe it, but I'm intrigued by it. I think it's a possibility if Moore does get, especially if Moore does get an offer to go somewhere else and and Jerry really wants to keep him, I could see him doing that. Firing McCarthy is a great idea. But the three things that I was worried about all – you know, show their ugly head yesterday. I was worried about the lack of leadership, which yeah. which manifested itself in a ridiculous amount of penalties and penalties yeah. that were ridiculous. Yeah, that's on the coach and the coordinators. Yeah, okay, as well as the players. All right, that's lack of leadership because they were not taught proper discipline and yeah. lack lack of talent too. You know, you got to cheat when you're not as good as people think you are, or as good as you need to be. And yeah. the 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 last play call, which I thought was oh my god, uh, which <laughs> I don't I don't hate, but I think is very question is very questionable. And at least the execution. You're talking about the draw. The draw. The last play of the game. The, yeah. Yeah, the execution was horrible. All right, we talk about game management, lack or lack thereof. That's yeah. a perfect example of it, and yeah, I I just couldn't believe that they would that they would call that play, and obviously, 
you know, they hadn't practiced it that much. Yeah. And Dak Prescott, I've always maintained he's not that bright of a quarterback. I really don't think he is because he, he took them forever to learn how to slide. He he ran far too far, and it's his fault that the play clock, that the, the game clock ran out. It wasn't yeah. the refs. The refs did a good job. It was him right. and the offensive line who blocked the – who just acted as if the official didn't need to touch the ball. They should have given the ball yeah. to the the, um, the umpire. Instead, they formed a human wall in front of him, and that was one hell of a wall. Yeah. If, the, if you watch the replay, the the umpire near, bumped, runs into Dak Prescott. Yeah. Trying to do his job. So the Cowboys were ill-prepared. And yeah. that comes back to not just Mike McCarthy, but to Kellen Moore. Yeah. Kellen Moore, the wonderkin. Okay. The, the hot shot offensive coordinator who's supposed to take you know now go to a struggling franchise and turn him around. Yeah. Okay. He's not anywhere he goes. He's not going to do that good of a job. I can tell you that as a head coach. Neither Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore has what it takes to be a head coach in this league. But you got a lack of lead, lack of leadership there. Then you got a quarterback who's overrated, overhyped, overpaid. Okay, and was inaccurate yesterday. Doesn't see the mm-hmm. field well. It's as if he needs glasses. All right. I think he's nervous. He might be nervous about getting hurt or getting hit. So he's missing wide open guys. And then you had a porous run defense, which we had on and off this season. Yep. So you got those three things, which were very predictable, and which was mm-hmm. were the reasons why I didn't I picked the Cowboys to lose this game. Yeah. But it was just the the penalties were just atrocious. Randy Gregory, this guy wants a free agent contract. This guy should be playing for the league minimum. Yeah. Three penalties. Yeah, really, really bad game from him. Really? really three penalties, bad. including a holding on an offensive lineman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's not like the 49ers showed me anything that surprised me. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo was exactly what I expected. He, he threw us the ball on an open—he had an open receiver. He just airmailed it right to Anthony Brown— he also, and let's let's not let's not kid ourselves. We could have easily and probably should have lost by more than six points. I don't think yeah. the game was as like the the two things that I I think of are one the Niners early in the game had a chance they had a fourth and one and it was really more like fourth and inches and they'd been running on us all oh, yeah. all day and they kicked a field goal to make it thirteen yeah. points. And that was one of the few times, and then we scored a touchdown. That was our one good drive offensively of the game. That was that was where we had an actual chance to really get some momentum going. There was there was another period later in the game, um, but that that was one that could have been a turning point. And then there was the play where I forget the receiver might have been Brandon Ayuk just absolutely put. First team All Pro Trayvon Tiggs in a blender, which was the second. There was another play similar, but he was he had like ten yards all to himself, and Garoppolo airmailed him. So yeah, it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo was anything special, but the perceived edge that I had, which was that our quarterback's better, and I still think Dak is better, but he didn't play like it. He played down to the competition. Um, he they both played mediocre Dak and G- Jimmy Garoppolo, but the difference is Garoppolo 
has a, has a much better head coach. They they scheme, you know, despite that fourth and one decision, they clearly came in with a better game plan. They got their team ready for the playoffs. Like th- this looked like a battle-tested playoff team, a team that had been to a Super Bowl against a team that if you if you looked at them, you would have thought this was their first time ever in the playoffs. But honestly, I, I you know, I, I look at some of these other playoff games, the Bengals, they had none of those guys have ever been to the playoffs. You know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, but they they won and they looked great because they're, you know, that's what you well, that's what you do when you're supposedly the best at at your your field and I just don't see it and and the thing that maybe more than anything in the game disappointed me about Dak is after the game he all he was talking about was the refs and and like blaming the refs for that uh you know that last play of the game when why would you put the game into the refs hands in the first place and and like you said why you know, do a play that you clearly haven't practiced based on how you executed it. Uh, when, when he was running it, I, I thought like, okay, is the, what's, what's the, are, is he going to like lateral it to someone? Cause they'd, they'd run a couple laterals yeah. and, and they, that actually, you know, one of them worked. Um, but no, you just ran the middle of the field when we had been effectively getting these sideline passes right. too. That, that was the worst part. But but the bottom line is we should have never been in that position, and and the fact that you you think that was the difference, you you know, you you get one extra play from the twenty five yard line, like okay, you know, congrats, you beat Jerry Jones for biggest optimist, but really wouldn't have made a difference most likely, um, and the fact that that's what he's focused on rather than you played a, a shitty game. This is your fourth playoff game and probably your worst playoff game as a pro um i mean at this point you've got to say you know even compare like i was talking about last uh last week with some of the historical elements of this game like at this point dak i don't think he's even on the trajectory of tony romo let alone troy aikman and and roger staubach at least romo got better in the playoffs as his career went along um dak prescott against a team that again was down two of its three best defensive players for for a good portion of the game just just didn't have anything wasn't doing anything and and seven of the 17 points we put up were basically a defensive score we got the ball at the 30 yard line so and you don't want to it's unfair to put it all on one player and I do think the coaches are at fault and I I'm all for you know we'll have plenty of time to talk about this but I'm all for kind of blowing it up on the coaching side because it is, I think it does all come down to discipline. And I think, uh, I think we're no matter what, we're stuck with a lot of these players for the foreseeable future, but just by getting discipline and eliminating those penalties, I think that that'll do a lot, but, but ultimately like the, if you want to give a synopsis of the season, it was just, this team underachieved and it was, you know, 
all throughout the season, people talking about, uh, you know, detractors talking about we, we haven't beaten anyone. And, and that seems to be ultimately the truth. Like we, our most impressive year, and I, I kept going back to this, was us beating the Patriots. And, and look what they did in the first round. They right. got absolutely embarrassed by, yeah, that was great. by the Buffalo Bills. That was beautiful. Yeah, so so really, we we didn't have a signature win this year. We beat the crap out of a shitty division, um, and that's and that's about it. And then we we lost to the teams that were that are actually going to go far in the playoffs. You know, the teams like the Bucks and the Chiefs. Um, well, it's not. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's. I mean, you could. Yeah, there's a lack of discipline. But at the same time, the talent's overrated. Nobody's no, nobody's sitting here today saying, "Wow, that's one hell of a running back that you got." I bet you paid a lot of money for him. Nobody's sitting here saying, "Well, that's one hell of a quarterback you got." I bet you're paying a lot of money for him. You're saying, "Well, it, it, those guys are middle of the road players," and the receivers weren't didn't seem much better, okay, except yeah. for Dalton Schultz. But you know where it really where they really got hurt. And where they didn't have the talent, enough talent to overcome it, was that uh, was in the trenches, because we didn't get they the Forty ers threw a lot of quick passes. Yeah, we didn't we didn't sack him much. We didn't right. we didn't get to him. Yeah, and we had all three got we had those three guys on the field healthy: Demarcus Lawrence, yep. Randy Gregory, and Micah Mike Parsons. Parsons. Nobody got to Jimmy Garoppolo but once. Yeah, okay. And on the other side of the ball. You had an offensive line that played like it was just assembled yesterday because the 49ers were wise enough to realize, and the announcers pointed this out, that they shouldn't go you know, mano a mano with these uh, offensive linemen, and they did a lot of stunts and twists, yeah. which we were not prepared for. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's a combination of just finding weaknesses in our offensive line as well yeah. as out-coaching us. Yes, and, and that's the thing is, like, it's – it's smart, and teams have done this really ever since Lawrence came back, and that's just kind of eliminate our pass rush with quick passes. And we did the opposite. And, yeah, yeah, we, we definitely miscommunication. You know, Bosa had a—the fact that Bosa goes unblocked for a sack is pretty embarrassing. But I do think a lot of it also is— I don't know, you know how much to weigh this, but Dak Prescott, he was pressured like 50% of his snapbacks or his snaps or uh-huh. dropbacks, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a ridiculous it, amount. No, he didn't. He, he played terribly under pressure. And uh, I think he invited a lot of it because his, his average time to throw was almost four seconds when he was under pressure. Um, and you know that's just not you can't that's good enough hold the ball that long yeah. <laughs> you got to have two it's got to be out in two to two and a half seconds and, well, and that's what that, the 49ers you know, that's, do that's on the coaches too yeah the routes that these guys are running you know or maybe the guys just weren't getting open quick enough yeah i mean we don't see we don't see the whole field on tv yeah that is that is true i i will I say mean, it's, it's it seems like uh, like I, I, I'm thinking of the of Dak's interception, which was a bad a bad throw, and definitely on him. But 
it was like four comeback routes. Like it, it, it and they were all covered. Like yeah. it just doesn't seem like we're offensively doing anything to help our receivers. I think that's part of it, but all, but it also it's, you know, out of structure, like no one's on the same page. Like you've got these guys like Rogers and Adams, they're, they're obviously the pinnacle, but even Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, they've only been playing together. Well, they've been playing together longer in college, but together in the NFL for just this year. And already they've got a better rapport than Dak and any of his receivers. And you've got these plays, like there was a fourth down play where Dak kind of ran and just chucked it up there. And it kind of got to Cedric Wilson, technically got his hands on it, but couldn't make it. Like there's been plays like that before. There was another one, I forget the game it was, but it was also fourth down and Dak similarly scrambling out, throws it to CeeDee Lamb. And and they're just not on the same page. Like it's it's just we're not we're not good enough in in the things that we should be if you want to have a top tier passing attack. We're, right. we're good enough to beat the crap out of bad teams and bad defenses, right. but when it comes to you know it comes to separating us ourselves from from the other great teams out there are right. just not cutting it. And we've seen that in past years, the same phenomena. Yeah. The Cowboys, you know, limping into the playoffs, getting in there almost by default because they do play in probably the worst division in the league. Right. And I don't know what it's going to, you know, I, I don't think there's any hope. I've said that before as long as the Jones family is in charge. And I really don't care what comes out of Jerry Jones's mouth or any yeah. of them. I don't, I'm not paying any attention because it's, it's, it's usually a bunch of nonsense. Um, there's, there's an ingrained way of doing things in, with the Dallas Cowboys. And it, I, I, you know, it could change. Jerry could have a revelation, but I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, there are too many missteps in terms of coaching and, and personnel, too. I mean, if, if we take a look at just a, just a couple of things, they could have had people, I think, forget about this, and I'm surprised that they do, because he's the defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt. Now, yep. I know, I don't think my memory's failing me when it comes back to that day, that draft day, when he was sitting there, and instead they made up every ridiculous excuse you could think of to not take him, and instead they took an utter bust in Taco Charlton. Could you imagine if T.J. Watt was on this team? Yeah. But at the same time, yes, I mean, it would it would certainly help, but I feel like I feel like we would squander it somehow. That that's really? just how I feel about our coaching. Yeah. I see. I think that I, I think that you can. I, I think that Barry Switzer proved that if you assemble enough talent, you can overcome bad coaching. Yes, but, but I hard. think it's. I think it's different today than it was yeah. back then. That, that was, you know, Switzer took over when 
free agency was just starting, I think. So it was, it was starting to shift towards this. But I think at this stage in the NFL, you, you need to have a top tier head coach and you need to have a top tier. You, you, here's, I think the coaching is, is the most important because coaching there's, it's separate from the salary cap. You, you, there's no tie to that. You just, you got to get one of the best coaches, one of the best on on both sides of the ball. And then you've got to either have a great quarterback or a cheap quarterback who's at least competent. Like Dak Prescott, the way he's been playing, it's fine if he's on a rookie deal, but he's he's just not great. And we're paying yeah. him to be great. Yeah. And that's – and plus, combine that with bad coaching, and, and yeah, there, there's no chance. Um, and a bad deal at the running back position. Right. And, where and the, actually – the guy who should be starting is not. Yes. And, and let me tell you, so I, I – this week before the game, I, I did some research because I was – I was arguing with people about the offensive line, ironically, which you know, they did have a bad game. But I think for the most part this year, the O-line's been been very good. It's yeah. a definite step up compared to last year. And a lot of people were using Ezekiel Elliott's performance as the rationale for the O-line being bad. And what I my, – my theory, and I – I you know put together some some numbers to prove this was that Ezekiel Elliott is basically is a fair weather running back. If if the O line is blowing people off the ball and just crushing it in run blocking, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott can have productive games and he he'll actually run better and like break tackles. But if the O line isn't getting movement, he's not creating his own yards. And Tony no. Pollard can. And the the what I did is I took the the best six games of this season in terms of PFF run blocking grades and then the, the worst six, and I looked at Zeke and Pollard, and w- in the six best running games, they're, Pollard's still better, but it's not a huge difference. He's at, Pollard averages like 5.9 a carry, and Zeke <laughs> is like 4.9. But when you look at the, the worst six, Zeke plummets down to 3.4, Eddie George territory, and Tony Pollard's actually better. He's 6.1, but the problem Uh is in those games, Tony Pollard is averaging five carries a game, whereas Zeke's getting 12, and that's the the conundrum. And this this game is a perfect example. This one, if you took this... uh, past this game's run grade we would have it would have been our fourth worst so not not a good day by the offensive line by any means but Pollard Pollard got four carries so even below his average in these types of games and Zeke had his normal 12 and Ezekiel Elliott got 31 yards Pollard got 14 but Pollard's you know you give him enough carries in those bad type of games he's gonna break one that's that's what he did against the Saints which was not a very good run blocking game and the giants uh, i think it was the second one where, where we actually gave him enough carries for him to do something but we just didn't give him enough enough opportunities and well, well you know i you're absolutely right and the one thing that i remember from emmett one thing i remember about emmett smith is that and they used to say this there would be times when emmett smith 
wouldn't start the game off that hot, where yeah. he would be, you know, getting maybe three yards a carry. But they said if you give it to him enough, he's gonna he's gonna hurt you. So it might take him 12, 13, 14 carries, but then he would start to catch on fire. And Emmett Smith got a lot of his yards in the fourth quarter when they were winning and running out the clock. Yep. And they, they had beaten down the defense, and, and uh, the defensive line was tired. Uh, that a lot of you know, Look at the stats. Emmett got a lot of yards during that time. Now, yep. Tony Pollard, like you were saying, you got to give him the Give, give him, feed him the ball. Yeah. Because you're right. He's gonna, he's gonna, if he doesn't break something and take it to the house, he's gonna make a big play for you. Yeah. Whereas Ezekiel Elliott doesn't seem capable of running more than 20 yards. Yeah. What's his longest run on the season? Yeah. And, something like you know, that. He, he doesn't, he doesn't create much on his own. You know, he flashes. There are plays where right. you go, oh wow, that was, that was a really nice run. Yeah. Okay. But that's all he does. It's, he flashes. He's a big tease at this point, and that's not what you're looking for. From you know, he's got to be one. He's one of the highest paid. I don't know who the highest paid running back in the league is, but for somebody who's even a starter, let alone somebody who's paid as much as he is and who's venerated as much as he is, then you, you expect a lot more. Yeah. And you know, we did. We 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 don't get it. But I I, I think this game was was. A lot of factors go into determining wins, but a lot of it in this game really came down to the trenches, where yeah. they had a great game plan to beat us. Simple as that, you know, on, on yeah. both defensive line and the offensive line. Yeah. And but, our skill position players didn't play well enough to overcome what the fact that we were losing in the trenches. Yeah, yeah, that's... Because yeah. we could have lost in the trenches, like we we could have played this. You know, if our skill players had played just a little bit better, we would have won this game. Yeah. But all of them, I don't. I don't think anybody had a really good game except Dalton no. Schultz, maybe. Right. Right. But not. I mean, C.D. Lamb had like one catch the whole game. Yeah. He had five he targets. Like a lamb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, I think C.D. Lamb was a little bit of a disappointment this season. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. One of definitely one of the quietest 1100 yard seasons you'll you'll ever see and and yeah he shows flashes but i mean at this point you've got to say that we should have taken justin jefferson over him yeah justin exactly he's a top three receiver oh, right cd lamb's you, not if you want to kiss up to will mcclay and they just gave him an extension, right? They just gave him yep. a new contract. And he's a darling of the media. Yep. If you want to do that, then Will McClay has got to do got to get gotta do things that are more than the obvious. Yeah. It was obvious. It was a consensus at that point in the draft, which you and I were watching it and talking to each other, mm-hmm. texting each other yeah. during that draft. C D Lamp, C D Lamp, C D Lamp, C D Lamp. Mm-hmm. It was a no brainer. But if Will McClay was all he's cut out to be, he's supposed to be smarter than us. Yeah. Right? Isn't he supposed to be smarter than us? Yeah. We aren't supposed Literally. to equal him or even beat him. And we beat, we beat him a lot. Mm-hmm. We beat him in the fourth round of that draft. Yep. That was a terrible pick. We, we beat him in the third round of this. We might have beaten him in this entire draft except for the obvious, which was Micah Parsons, number 12. Right. Okay. I mean, the other rounds are are all question marks right now. Yeah. Every other pick in this draft 
besides Micah Parsons, is a question mark. Now, your guy started off making me think that you that that I was wrong about him, but then he he hit the wall and he just disappeared yeah. after the first eight games or so. All right. And Kelvin Joseph, Nation Wright. Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not. They don't deserve to have their name said. The second round, dude, and the third round, long dude. They did squat. Totally. And that offensive tackle, the one who's yeah. killed and beat up every woman that he's ever dated, okay? Yeah. Where was he? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty bad. And I the, the and one free agency class? Yeah. Non non existent. Except for a couple of guys. The one guy I'll say I thought did all right was Golston. He he did he was better than I expected him to be. I, I wasn't a fan of that pick, but he, you know, for a rotational guy, but not a certainly not a home run, you know, wow wow you kind of pick. Um, but yeah, that's you're 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 right about that. It's a lot of question marks after that out the of that draft looking, class. Yeah, the best looking guy. Aside from Micah Parsons, Mike was was Malik Turner, and they yeah. they didn't even think enough of him to draft him. I mean, I give him credit for signing him. I mean, that yeah. I do I do give him credit for identifying him and, and making him a priority and signing him as an undrafted rookie free agent. But if they were that smart, they would have taken him instead of people they took in the sixth and seventh round. Yep. Because they let they they, they well, risked sure. not being able to get him, and I, I think he's I think he's going to be a contributor. He wasn't a rookie he, this year. Huh? Malik Turner wasn't a rookie this year. No, I mean, what, what was it last year? It was, well, he's he was drafted in 2018, but he he came. We got him last year, yeah, 2020. Okay. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, this this draft class is kind of you know basically we're we're looking at. And it's kind of been this way for a while. It's like the every other year kind of thing. Twenty, you know, twenty twenty was was a good draft class. There's no yeah. doubt. Even you know, Ceedee Lamb still still a good pick. Not as good as Jefferson so far, but still a good no. pick. Uh, Trayvon Diggs. Oh, there's gonna be a lot to talk about with Trayvon Diggs, but ultimately, I'd say that's a good pick. Also, yeah, um, not a hard one to make. Yeah, I would agree with that. Although I will say this, Christian Fulton was on the board and he is playing well. Okay. Uh, not not getting eleven interceptions, but stickier right. in coverage. Um, okay. And then Tyler Biotish is our weakest point on the offensive line, but he he took a step forward this year, and I yeah. would expect him to continue. That that's probably our best value pick of of that draft. So, you know, three starters that that's pretty pretty solid draft. But then the year prior, Neville Gallimore too. Who but I that's think is you're be right. Solid. Neville Gallimore. I think will will be solid. Yeah. With some he, he needs some seasoning. Yeah. And he's got a good motor. Yeah. He's got a good motor. But they need help at the you know they they need help at the defensive tackle position. There's yeah. No doubt about it. That's what I was gonna say is is like you could say that about a lot of our guys is is they've got potential they show flashes but there's not one defensive tackle that you can really at this moment you can say this guy is our starter we feel really good about him right like that's the the you know 
it's been, it seems like decades since we've felt really good about the interior, maybe not that long, but it's at least the last five or six years, it's been a weakness for us, that interior defensive line. And I think that's that's still our, our most glaring weakness. I, I don't want to get too far. It needs to be addressed in free agency. Yeah. Seriously. Not with yeah. somebody like Brett Urban either. Right. Yeah. I, you, you know, I mean, the free agency class was mediocre. Yeah. I mean, you got Brian Anger. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I give him credit for that. He, he and, um, Curse and Curse were the, were the big Curse. signings. Yeah. yeah. But the rest of it. Uh, Casey, Casey was okay. He was an improvement over what Up we had. Yeah, we didn't we didn't see him embarrass himself like Darian Thompson used to do. Yeah, yeah, he's better than Darian Thompson. There's no doubt. Yeah. But he had yeah, he was up and down. But yeah, Urban was a disappointment, and Keanu Neal was yeah really bad. And he looked so good in preseason, but just absolutely shat the bed. Yesterday. Um, what, it's a sad day when Van Der Esch is your best defense player, and that's what happened yesterday. Yeah, Van Der Esch and Parsons were kind of the only guys that. I think Demarcus Lawrence he did his thing with, you know, some run stuffs and occasional pressure, but yeah, in general, defense was was weak. And yeah, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about team needs. I, and I will say, I don't think there's too many like glaring needs. But defensive tackle, I think, is probably the highest, if not the definitely up there uh, for most glaring needs. Oh, I've already got my draft again. board made up for that for next year. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I'm not, not by not by player, but by by we start with position. Okay, you know, Smart. I start from the ideal of you know these are the most important positions to feel. To yeah. fill, and then I look at you know who's the you gotta look at who's available. You don't. Yeah. Mean, I mean, I never draft by need. Right. Um. So that's something and, else I take I take into consideration. But I'm looking next year at the first three rounds as I think they need to go um offensive tackle, mm-hmm. defensive end, and then middle linebacker because I think you want to play Micah Parsons at defensive end rather than middle linebacker. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a stud at defensive end, and they're so hard to find. Yeah. And I think they should, you know, maybe get another defensive end to, you know, eventually replace uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who's yeah. just eaten up too much of the salary cap. Smart. Yeah, and we're we're over the salary cap right now, so we're going to have to do some maneuvering. But um, the last thing I w- I'll, I'll touch on for uh, yeah, we've we've got a lot lot to talk about this off season. Um, but I'll leave it with this. I, I heard someone, or one of the commentators while watching the Bengals game said that the, uh, they, they said that, you know, the Bengals brought in a bunch of free agents this year, including Chidobe Awuzie, who actually played yes. really well, really yeah. well this year. Uh, he redeemed um, me. Yeah, 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 that's right. He was your, I was, your I, guy. I, I thought he was going to be a player for us. Mm-hmm. And they didn't use him the right way. Yep. Yeah, and, and he's he's had probably his best year, definitely best since his rookie year. But but they were talking about that, and they said that a lot of the current Bengals, the Bengals sucked last year. They they were a disaster. But right. the players really recognized Joe Burrow as like this guy's going to be the next guy, and that was a big selling point apparently to free agents. Guys would tell 
these guys that are considering Cincinnati like, hey, this guy, Joe Burrow, he's he's the guy. You want to play with this guy. And I wonder if, you know, I, I wonder if at a certain point we're going to lose out on, and maybe this is already happening, maybe I, but the the culture of our team and it just doesn't seem like an attractive destination for guys that like truly like are desperate to win. Like Micah Parsons, I feel like if, if this doesn't change by the time his rookie deals up, he, he's out of here. He's going to a contender because that guy is, you know, he's a ferocious competitor and, and he's not going to, I don't see a guy like that sticking around with a team. That's just, you know, Eh, we've got talent, like the guys have fun, but ultimately, you know, the glitz and glamour is more, than, more important than the winning right now. Well, what I saw culture. when I watched Hard Knocks this year, and I want to, you know, I want to be careful because it's not like I had a complete perspective on training camp and everything that happened. But what I saw from Hard Knocks, if they did a good job representing what the camp is truly like, was I saw far too much goofing off and far too many too much laughter and far too much smiling it's they all i'm thinking about now after i make that play is that was good do it again yeah that's my thought that was good do it again not that was good i'm i'm the man yeah and i remember michael irvin when and this is in one of the books i don't remember what it was but they said how hard he was on the cowboys cornerbacks in practice Mm-hmm. They said that you know he would really give them hell, and that one of one day one of them, maybe a rookie. Yeah, um, Urban was being hard on a rookie. I think it was a rookie, and uh, you know he and finally the rookie covered him well, and he said that's good, bitch. Now do it again. Yeah. So I think that's the mentality you have. I mean, I think you can. Yeah. I think it's okay to be happy. I mean, you should be happy, and you should, when you make a good play, but. I think this team gets carried away with itself. Yeah. Players on this team get carried away with themselves. And I just, it, you know, maybe it's just me, but I know when I played sport this, sports as a kid, I never viewed it as social hour. I never viewed it as something where I was going to be all happy and celebrating or goofing around. Um, these guys have time for that when they're not playing football, when yeah. they're not going through a practice or you know during the off season there's plenty of time to have a good time yeah um i just i just saw a team that i thought maybe wasn't taking the game seriously enough yeah or didn't know how to win yeah too much you know in it for a good time and i you know i i think that's what happened to jalen smith too yeah yeah i can see that and but, and yeah but so. We'll have we'll have a lot of time to uh, delve into the various issues with this with this team, but I think that'll that'll do it for this week. So uh, thanks all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. Uh, until right. then.